Oh, wait a minute. I'd like to propose a toast to my family. Someday soon, you're going to have families of your own. And if you're lucky, you'll remember the little moments like this. That were good. Cheers. Yes. Come on, dude. That's what fun sounds like. All my life I never stopped to worry about a thing. Open up and shout it out, never try to sing. Wondering if I've done it wrong. Two, three, four. Lee, every time, Lee, every time you hit the air guitar, it makes brings joy into my heart. Oh, there's nothing better than air guitar. Air guitar just make, will make anybody happy. Whoever invented that is awesome. You don't even have to do it to a song. Just do it to anything. It works. It's like Bill and Ted used to do it. Like, oh, yeah. For no reason. Love you guys. You're listening to Good Times. And I'm so happy to be hanging out with Lee. We're back in the studio. We had a great episode last week with Jimmy Schubert. We had Uncle Joey bring us, put us back on the map. And uh, this week, I get to hang out with Earl Skakel, and it was so much fun, Lee. Oh, I can't wait to hear it. He really is the best. Like, um, I love all of my friends, but the ones who, like, approach comedy from a different point of view for me, man, I love it. It's like, because... Like Earl was like, because we the only thing we talk about on this episode is pro wrestling. I love it. Yeah, and, and like he's like, yeah, he's more of a heel, and I'm more of a good guy, and it's just so so awesome. I could hang out and talk to that dude for forever. Like, it's a good episode, but we didn't even scratch the surface. So I think I talked to him about maybe starting our own wrestling podcast. That'd be great. I think it'd be super fun. Has he been at the store the same time as you? Yeah, like we used to do open mics together there. Yep. It was That's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's pretty crazy when you start to realize how long you've known people for. Yeah. I mean, it is. Into, like, I'm going to brag right now, and this will be on my gratitude list at the end, but I was just texting Neil Brennan, who's like one of the most brilliant comedic minds of the last, I don't know, forever. Yeah. Um, And I'm like, I met Neil, I think it was probably around 2008-ish. Wow. And I'm like, this is just so cool. To, like, having friends is the best, but having friends that you've known for a long time, like, I love making friends. Oh, you're good at it, too. I love it. But, like, when you know somebody a long time, it's just so cool. Like, Brett Ernst just called me. I've known Brett 20 years. Wow. That's and so crazy. And it just goes it's by the best thing. Yeah, yeah, it's the best thing about getting old is having old friends. And I'm going to tweet that. <laughs> It really is. It's the greatest. Okay, I have to write that down before. The best thing about getting old is having old friends. Because Ari called me today. It was just a day that I kind of needed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I get, 
I put pressure on myself for not getting back to people as fast as I would like to. And like, and I would feel negative and pressure about that. But I'm like, I, I have too much to do. I can't. But now, maybe just because I had so much fun hanging out with Earl, I have a different point of view on it. And I'm like, how blessed am I to have so many awesome, amazing friends in my life? Yeah. No, it could, it could, could be the opposite. You could be the opposite. And I know what it's like. I remember when I went away to college, I didn't have any friends. And Oof. it was like tough. I can't imagine you having no friends. I had no friends when I got to college. For what, a day? Like, just, no, it took a while. It seems like everyone would love, just loves you just, just the second you say hi. No. I had face full zits and I was chunky and not cool. Well, you're cool now. I think the the best thing is like knowing you were just like just I remember my younger brother like trying to tell me that like <laughs> I wasn't like cool enough like like uh what <laughs> no how can I explain this like years ago because like I loved Chris Farley and like I used to drink a lot when I was younger like not Burt Kreischer status but I remember reading about Bert on the cover of Rolling Stone and I can't. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. And I was like, I could totally be friends with this guy. <laughs> like, that's who I wanted to be. Like, the life of the party kind of guy right. and like wear Hawaiian shirts and dump beers on my head. But it was like my younger brother who knew me best who was like, dude, you're just, you just want friends. Like, you don't like getting drunk. Really? He could yeah. Tell, wow. Yeah. He was like, you just want people to like you. And then years later, he was like, I don't think you should, because like when I was a younger comic and I would open up for Paulie, that was like the persona I was trying to give him. My younger brother was like, you're not going to out-party Artie Lang. You know what I mean? He was like, you don't want to wind up like some of the famous people that live that life, you know? And he was like, you should just let people know how nice you are. I'm like, and I was like, I guess. And now, now I'm like, he was essentially saying like, dude, you're not cool. Stop trying to be cool. And now it's just like so liberating. I'm like, yeah, man, if you have a grandma, I'll sit and talk to her at the party. And I'll love that <laughs> way more than drinking anything. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, at least you can be yourself. Yeah. Like right now, like I have bottles of wine. I don't know how old they are. And I remember buying a bottle of Jack Daniels. Like, I don't know. Mm. I think I moved it from my old place. I've moved so many bottles of booze. Yeah. I just threw away all the wine I had in my place. Right. Because it was like years old and dusty. Yeah, it was probably still good, though, if it was corked. Eh, I'm, I'm never going to drink it, and I'm just moving it from place to place. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what I do have in my freezer right now that I will totally... Okay. I have Twix ice cream candy bars. Oh, that's better than alcohol. Than oh, so much better. Okay. <laughs> so I love the generic ice cream from Ralph's. Ralph's is the big supermarket out here, and it's part of the Kroger family. So they do a store brand that's like the gourmet store brand called Private Selection. Oh. And they do like their premium ice cream. Interesting. I have the sherbet right now. I haven't had. Oh, I haven't had a good sherbet in forever. I love sherbet. What flavor are you working with? Rainbow, orange. What do you but got? I, I got? I got a couple. I got a mix. I got a, one rainbow, one orange, and one lime. Oh, I love. I, I'm got. You know what? If there's room in the freezer, I'm going to stop and get some. My go-to ice cream cone when I was a chubby nine-year-old. Yeah. Scoop of like legit chocolate with orange sherbet. Orange sherbet chocolate ice cream combo. Interesting. Almost paradise. What? Okay, so I have. Okay, so I have the Twix ice cream candy bars. Just had one yesterday because they were on sale. Nice. And that's how they get me. I go. All right, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> Calories don't count with them. Right. So. <laughs> so tremendous. Then I have the private selection. They do a. Uh, it's like a bourbon. 
caramel. It's not bourbon bourbon, but it's like a different taste. Phenomenal. I have that. I have that. I have the haagen ice cream bars. See, I, I don't know how you keep. I, I can't keep it in my house because I'll eat it right away. It's just treats. I know. Um. So and they were on sale too. All the ice cream was on sale at Ralph's this week. Oh, I might have to go. So it's chocolate on chocolate. It's almost like a soft serve taste to the ice cream with a dark chocolate shell on the outside. Phenomenal. Uh, what else do I have? I have this company called Outshine that does like a juice bar. I have those. I have those. Phenomenal, those right? Are, and they're for like fancy fruits too. Yes. Yes. I have the lime and the lemon. Yep. So I have lime, lemon, Twix, the uh, haagen soft serve with the hard shell, and I have a company called Magnum that does a premium ice oh, cream. Oh, I've heard of those. But when it's on sale, you could get a box of ice cream bars for a fraction of what one scoop would cost you if you walk into a place. Interesting. I just like the outshine ones because it makes me feel like I'm kind of healthy. I'm like, oh, this is like mango. It's like hilarious. It's, it's really almost good. like fruit. Yeah, it's, it's a cold fruit. It's so cool. I'm definitely going to get something today. It's hot. The, the, I love like little tricks people play with themselves. Like, it's hot. We deserve ice cream. Yeah. Well, it's Memorial Day weekend. It's time for Van Halen, Buddies, and ice cream. I'm in for all of that. Yeah. Okay. So. How can I say this? I wanted, I started to think about this week. I started to think about the question, am I a fan of professional wrestling? And I didn't know how to answer that because as a kid, I lived for it. Right. And now I do watch, I don't watch pro wrestling, but I watch countless hours on YouTube of content built around pro wrestling. (laughs) Right, Like there's a show on Vice. It's my favorite thing. It's gotten me through the lockdown. It's called The Dark Side of the Ring. And they'll explore the lives of professional wrestlers. Oh, cool. And it is, it's every episode is its own masterpiece. I don't know who's behind it, but you guys, you're doing the Lord's work. It's it's my favorite thing to watch. And uh, I watched maybe like eight episodes in a row once on a very lonely, difficult day during lockdown. And it was awesome. And I love that era of pro wrestling. I love the stuff I grew up on as a kid. And then I became older and I'm like, that's for kids and stupid. But then in the late 90s, it it was probably the best era of pro wrestling ever, at least in my lifetime. I don't know what it was like during the Bobo Brazil or, you know, uh, Gorgeous George Day. I don't know. Right. Um, Haystacks Calhoun. Uh <laughs> At the Strangler Lewis. I like, I love the history of pro wrestling. And in the late 90s, like The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin and Hulk Hogan was a bad guy and Sting was coming out of the rafters. And you had ECW in Philly that was just smashing people with real weapons. It was a crazy time to be a wrestling fan. But then um, Tom and Christina are going to war with wrestling fans and it's fantastic. And it's the brilliance of a Tom Segura. Because what he's doing is using pro wrestling tactics against wrestling fans. It's the greatest thing ever. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Like, he is so funny, but also so brilliant. Um, and they asked me, they were like, are you a fan? Do you think this is for kids? And I was like, I don't know how to honestly answer this because the current product is so bad. Is so, it really? Yeah, it's, okay. unwa- it's unwatchable. And I'm like, this stuff's for kids. The stuff they're cranking out now. Oh, uh, okay. Because nobody else would want to watch this. So I also know. Earl is a lifelong fan too. And it's like, I wanted to get together with him and talk to him about what he loved about pro wrestling and then like what he would do to make it watchable again. 
So it's such a fun episode. Like, I think for a long time, Earl and I have so much fun together and the conversations are so good. He was our number one episode of Good Times for a while. You oh, remember wow. that? Yeah. So, and we also shared a mutual best friend in the late, great Rowdy, Roddy Piper. And uh, I really want to hang out more with Earl and talk more pro wrestling with him. But I'm so excited to share this week's episode with you guys. It's me and my buddy Earl talking about pro wrestling this week on Good Times. Once we had an easy ride and always felt the same. Time was on our side we had everything to gain. I just want to talk wrestling because I, through the grace of God, I ran into you at Tom and Christina's and I was legit nervous. Tom was going to, Tom and Christina were going to give me the business and I was afraid wrestling fans were going to come after me for stuff I said. Well, I hope they do come after me. Yeah. I like embracing the trolls because I'm a troll. That stuff scares me. I mean, uh, some people, you know, like Dalia engages with his trolls on yeah. Twitter, uh, you know, and then there are other people who just, I think like Patton Oswalt just straight up blocks people. He's like, I, yeah. don't, I don't know what he thinks, but like, right. I'm sure it's, I'm too old for this shit. Like, yeah, exactly. Block. I don't have time for it. That's how I, I'm like, but okay. Well, I've I wasn't the even, time. I wasn't even thinking of the troll stuff because my relationship with professional wrestling is like a little bit complicated. Like I for sure, loved it as a kid it was the greatest thing ever but i told tom i go but the truth is yes i grew up in the golden era loved it as a kid but i go when i was in my 20s was probably when i was my the biggest fan because of that monday night war golden era of the wrestling wars and to me that's what pro wrestling should be but the current product is so bad it's unwatchable it's unwatchable right like i'm going to like I sat there and said, okay, it's been a while. I'll watch Monday Night Raw. And I'm talking before the pandemic. Yeah. Like now it really is just brutally unwatchable with no crowd. Uh, and it's just, like, I'm older than you. So to me, I grew up in the best era. Like, it was pre internet. Yeah. Jesus Christ, am I old? But so you believed it, it was real. Yes. Like, you really did. Like, I thought Kamala and I've done this joke a million yeah. times but i really thought he was from uganda yeah <laughs> you know, so like, did i <laughs> i remember, I remember seeing him in magazines because i grew up in a wwf territory so for me to like there were wrestle i would love to get the magazines like you said pre-internet world yeah. i was like wait there's who's this guy rick flair why is he saying he's world champion when i clearly know hulk hogan is the champion and then i got uh Georgia Championship Wrestling on TBS when we got cable. And I'm like, this is the best thing ever. So oh, I yeah. started to see some of the guys from the magazines. And I was like, and I thought it was real. To your point, as a kid, I thought it was real. Well, the problem with the magazine, and it's like I'm a big hockey guy, and there mm -hmm. used to be, I don't know if it's still around, because I haven't been to a newsstand in like, right. like a long time. Who goes to newsstands anymore? Uh, they had a, a magazine for hockey called The Hockey News, which... You know, by the time it came out, the games and and stuff they were talking about was two, three weeks, sometimes a month old. So that was the problem with the magazine uh, was, 
you know, you, they talk about Ric Flair beating Abdullah the Butcher, and it's like, well, Jesus, that was a month, month and a half ago. Like, so it was like a, but you know, before the internet, it was like, I, I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, and it was even worse with like Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I mean, that was the big magazine. Yep. That, that covered non WWE stuff. Uh, but it's like you know, you really thought it was borderline real. You know, looking back when Eddie Gilbert broke his neck, and then uh, I think like a week later he was wrestling again. I was like, wait a minute, that, this can't like that's amazing recovery ability. How old were you when you first saw wrestling, and what made you love it? Uh, probably, uh, I probably I was born in '68, so I, I would say. Um, Probably vaguely saw it in the late 70s, but didn't really get into it. And then uh, probably the early 80s, uh, the Iron Sheik. Yeah. You know, he, I mean, he really was from Iran. Yeah, and really was a badass. Yeah. Like, he was a legit, uh, like, a their Na- Navy SEAL. I don't know what it's called. And the uh, it's not the Mossad, but it's... Yeah, he was, like, a guard bodyguard for the Shaw, and he was an, an Olympic athlete. Like, yeah, like, legit... Uh, you know, guy. I mean, I guess Andre the Giant was the first guy uh, that I really kind of focused on. Me too. He was like so, like uniquely bigger than every year. I mean, he was like legit seven foot whatever, and yeah, uh, there's no one around that size back then. Uh, but then you know the Hulk Hogan era came in, and I was like, wow, this is. Now you grew up here in LA. Was that WWF or was that regional? When and when you talk about early '80s wrestling, yeah. the Iron Sheik. I mean, that was WWF, uh, and then uh, they didn't really. I don't think like world class championship wrestling, which was, yeah. uh, you know, that was like Gino Hernandez and you know Iceman King Parsons and and all these. Uh, that was more Texas and then the Von Erichs, obviously. Now, would you get that stuff on TV out here as a kid? I became a huge fan of that in, I think, the early 90s when they would replay it on ESPN. I was like, wow, I've never seen these matches before. And, like, Colonel De Beers. Yeah, it was great. Uh, it was like a white supremacist. Like it was. They had an angle with him where he wouldn't wrestle if the referee was black. <laughs> was, get out of here, really? Yeah, like because his character was like a South Apartheid, uh, you know, anti uh obviously black uh military guys so he wouldn't wrestle like you know uh, kamala or uh, any of these other black wrestlers so it's like i mean even back then it was like cringeworthy then Uh, now would you see the humor in something like that like the ridiculousness of it now i do yeah like but back then i you know and i've often like i you watch dark side of the ring it's my favorite thing like I would say, like I, I even said that on the podcast with with uh, Tom and Christina, where I was like, "Yeah, I can't watch wrestling now," but I go, "My favorite show is Dark Side of the Ring." Oh, those guys uh, do such an amazing job uh, that even the episodes where I'm not necessarily interested in, like say that Fabulous Moolah, I I, just, I thought that was amazing. Yeah, even that was like okay, I. I, I kind of get it now, and it tie it showed you the difference in the business because she was feared. Like, there was a realness to her. Yeah, I mean, well, she came from an era, you know, 50s and 60s. I mean, she was pretty old in the 80s. Yes. uh, Where it was almost borderline real. Uh, So she worked pretty stiff. 
Yeah. Uh, but there was, she didn't have a lot of competition. You know, there was really no. that black wrestler who I forget her name, but she was the, in Dark Side episode. Um, you know, Wendy Richter, but she came on a lot later. There's Mae Young. Yeah. Uh, Mark Henry's wife. Hilarious. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've really wanted the dark side of the ring. I talked to one of the producers, Evan, uh, just through Twitter. I'm like, you guys have to do one on racism and wrestling. Because, mm. you know, as a kid, get into your question of did I see the humor in it? I look at Junkyard Dog now, and that's pretty funny. But Jesus, is that racist? I haven't gone back. Like as a kid, I he, Junkyard Dog was maybe my favorite wrestler. There was like I loved, loved, loved him, and I haven't gone back and looked at that stuff. Like when you talk about the racism, I'm not saying racism's funny. I don't want people to like, hear this and oh, go, no, "Oh, it's horrible." It's horrible. But what I the point I was trying to make to Earl's point was like there's a ridiculousness yeah, it's not- to professional. Like when I became a fan again in the late 90s, I loved The Rock was my favorite. But there was his character was so funny to me. But even he was in the Nation of Domination, which was this militant group of black wrestlers. <laughs> like, like it's, You have to go back and watch. Like there's a, like a, what's the word? I'm, I don't know if I'm naive or whatever. But like there was stuff going on i i didn't pick up on like to me as a kid it was just good versus evil junkyard dog was good rowdy rowdy piper was evil let me watch this and see how it plays out yeah i mean uh i mean i think as a kid you don't really at least i didn't put it together of oh this character might not be uh a proper portrayal of this race i mean tito santana being called a taco vendor by jesse ventura on air like you couldn't do that now. no like, but and they really did part of their marketing really was playing to racial stereotypes and race like like bruno sammartino was italian american they knew new york philly boston pittsburgh were their big markets let's put the belt on him so all the italians come out let's call hulk hogan hulk hogan so irish people come out like they really did their like they tried to cater towards i guess what's the word i'm looking for like not racist but well no uh, they tried to cater each race or uh kind of ethnic background was given a character yeah to root for i don't know who uh kamala and you know the junkyard that's crazy when you think about kamala like but I mean, just the fact that, like, you look at the, that portrayal—he's some huge, gigantic black dude who can't speak English, and who's dumb as a rock. At least the character, yeah. Uh, like, and he would like carry like a spear and wear a loincloth yeah, like and like a witch doctor mask. Yeah, and he like he was so incapable of speaking the English language that he would pound his stomach to have some weird kind of morris code with kimchi now who was kimchi was that somebody There's famous a couple now? kimchis the main one was steve lombardi the brooklyn brawler get out of here really yeah. so uh i think the the original kimchi uh, might have been an asian uh, wrestler uh but uh, they don't really talk about him a lot so because isn't kimchi a korean food yeah so you know even that's kind of racist like yeah uh but you know, looking back, I when I was a kid, I oh, this isn't racist. Have Vince McMahon get this guy over here? Like I was really thinking yes. it was real. Yeah. And then you look at you know you know Junkyard Dog. How 
I've gotten through this pandemic is I watch wrestling uh, on YouTube. Yeah. I don't watch the WWE Network. I, like, I watch like uh, a lot of matches from Puerto Rico. Uh, mm. Like they had Tiny Lister, Zeus. Yeah. Uh, wrestling Abdullah the Butcher in Puerto Rico. And it's the most amazing thing. They go into the crowd. People are throwing bottles. Like in Puerto Rico, they thought it was real still. Yeah, I had a roommate in college from Puerto Rico that would tell me it was real. <laughs> in college. Because we would watch uh, TBS. when It was like the 90s when Van Vader, Big Vader was, he was like, you can't tell me that guy's not real. And I was like, yeah, dude, that guy's scary. Well, that was kind of the argument I got in with Tom and Christina. Like, you know, yes, it's scripted. But I don't like calling it fake because they're still hitting each other. Yeah, they're still, you know, they, you know, Sting almost broke his neck twice against uh, Seth Rollins. Yeah, um, you know, Sid Vicious, uh, his leg snapped in half. Uh, the stunts they're doing are very real. Oh, and but I was also trying to bring up the point, and like that. How can I explain this? All right, I used to work at a boxing gym in Hollywood. Okay, and there was a guy that came through that was a legitimate tough guy. Um, and he would fight in underground fights like that stuff happens like stuff. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to realize that things I thought only existed in movies. Well, there it's in movies and TV shows cause it's based on real stuff. Oh, absolutely. Like I had no idea. Like I grew up in the suburbs. I still go to church. Like, I don't know how the world works. If you want to know the truth. Um, who does right. But this is what he told me. He said that he would fight in these underground fights and they weren't for a lot of money. And he said, like, most guys that would enter that stuff didn't know how to fight. So it wasn't difficult for him. But he did say, you know, like, through the different martial arts schools and boxing gyms and stuff like that, you kind of know who's trained. And he said that, like, if he showed up for one of these fights, and he could have been lying to me. Somebody, like, I don't know if any of this is true. I never went. I had no desire to. Anyway, he told me that if somebody else was there that he was supposed to fight and he knew the guy and the guy knew him, they wouldn't fight. They'd be like, look, man, I'm not going to do this for a thousand dollars. We're going to kill each other. Some so, guys just like fighting. Right. But he, he, my point was I, and when I be, formed, we were both blessed to have that friendship with Roddy. Yes. Like what people don't realize is the other day, live mask that guys of that era knew they were they were almost like the MMA fighters of their time. Oh yeah. And it was all about making money. But Roddy even told me he was like, "Hey man, I wouldn't let people pin me." He goes, "I'm there. I'll do the job. I'll I'll work." He protected the business even with me. And he was so careful on how he phrased everything. But he told me like the reason why Piper's Pit got started <laughs> was because he wouldn't want to wrestle on TV for free. He was like, if you want to see me wrestle, you're going to have to pay me. You're going to have to buy a ticket. He was like, but I wanted to be on TV. I wanted to put my thing out there. My job was to make you hate me so much that you would pay to see me get beat up. He knew how to legitimately fight. And if the outcome was predetermined, which I don't know if he ever even confirmed that with me. I just remember him telling me, he goes, I wouldn't let anybody pin me. He goes, I would get disqualified. I would get count out. But if you want to pin me one, two, three, 
you're going to have to do it yourself. I'm not, I'm never going to let that happen until he did it for Bret Hart because he loved him so much and respected him so much. And I think that when you say stunts or this, like, I kind of view it like that guy that fought in those underground fights where it was like, Hey man, I'm here to make money. But there was a, 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 an element of realness to it all. Oh yeah. I mean, look at the injuries. Like I said, like if it was fake, uh, you know, no one would get hurt. Right. You know, and, and although, I mean, Tom asked me, would you put wrestlers in the same, I know you're a hockey fan, would you put Hulk Hogan in the same athletic class as Wayne Gretzky? And it's like, on athletic ability, yes. Uh, You know, but I just don't like the word fake when it comes to wrestling because it implies that they're not really lifting each other up. I mean, for the ultimate warrior to gorilla slam Sid Vicious has, I mean, you've lifted weights your whole life. To lift 300 pounds over your head's impressive. Yes. To lift 300 pounds of live weight is even like... Herculean. That's athletic, man. Uh, yeah. So I think it, it really depends on... And I don't know if I changed Tom or Christina's mind. Uh, it depends on what your version of fake is. It's interesting. Uh, yeah, like, and I think part of the problem is, like, you were talking about that match in Puerto Rico and the realness of it the current product has lost in my opinion part of the reason why i i can't watch it is that it's lost all of that like what now it's just i don't know it's like terrible i haven't seen it the last time i watched it i used to have autistic thunder come over about you're you're braver man than i am seven years ago i guess it was about seven years ago six seven eight years ago and we would watch raw but raw started to get it was so bad that I would just fast forward it and get to Paul Heyman and yeah. let him talk about Brock Lesnar. Cause I thought that was wildly entertaining and funny and ridiculous. Like, I love that stuff to it. Like the showmanship of it. But even then, like, uh, and I, you know, I sound old when I say this cause it's what my parents used to tell me about Elvis. You know, you should have seen Elvis early. He was so wild. They wouldn't let uh, the camera go below his hips. Cause yeah. he's gyrating. And it's like, really, I, I'm growing up with Tawny Katane uh, doing the splits on a Jaguar. That's I don't think Elvis was doing that stuff. Uh, and with wrestling, it, I, today it almost seems like they're fitness models doing uh, choreographed dance. Correct. Uh, I think that's a great way to put it. And I think that's what Tom and Christina were criticizing. And and it's a valid point. It stinks now. Still impressive. Don't get me wrong. Uh but like, you know, in, in going back and watching some of these older uh, clips, uh, you know, like there's a match you should watch. It's pretty funny. It, it's two black wrestlers, which was rare to have two black wrestlers in the same organization, just because it was like, you know, they weren't exactly portrayed. You know, like we've said, uh, it was t- uh, Tony Atlas against Kamala. Okay. And it's only like a nine-minute match because I think Kamala's gas tank was pretty. Uh, wasn't the best, yeah. but it's one of the best matches. It it's back and forth. Each guy selling. You know, uh, Kamala has this move where it's basically the claw, but it's under Tony Atlas's armpit. Okay, you can tell he's not really doing it. Yeah, uh, 
but Tony Atlas is selling like Kamala stabbing him, and it just you don't see that in today's uh, you know matches. At least I don't. You know, it's like the guy whispers into the other guy's ear, "Okay, you do a moon salt, and then I'll." It, it's just it's like acrobatics now more than it's like a movie almost. Yes, like like I think I said this to Tom. It's like, ooh, sorry about that. TVs are on. I said, uh, well, you know, you watch the movie Predator. Do you really think there's an actual alien killing seven people? Right. Uh, but you still watch the movie and you still like it. Yes. Um, and I still don't think, like, I love Tom. He's one of the. Hilarious. One of the top comics, if not the top comic working. Yeah. Okay. This is part of his genius, I think. But I think. Uh, he's not a wrestler. He, he, he'll never be a wrestling fan. We yeah. can sales pitch him every positive thing we see in wrestling. Uh, and he's like, oh, I don't get it. It's a bunch of dudes in tights. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. And I get it. Well, see, like I grew up on it and when it was awesome. And it got awesome again at that age when I was watching it for the humor and storylines. Uh, and now it's like, you know, kind of stinky. But what I find... What I love about Tom is, first off, Tom and Christine are the nicest people. I wish, first of all, you're the. I think you're even nicer than they are. I wish everyone in the business were like them. Yeah. Uh, just like, like if you guys can act like this, then everybody can. Uh, it's, because it's not that hard. It's not that hard to be a quality human being. I mean, I don't want to delve this early on into the pod about the business of comedy, but. Like that's why I appreciate Joey Diaz. Yes, uh, Rogan. Yes, um, they're awesome people first and foremost. And then when you see other people I won't name, you know, just I call it palming and networking and schlubbing. It's like ah, oh, this is so gross. Yeah. It makes me want to quit. Yeah. Uh, the older I get, I'm like I I don't know if I can be around this type of people anymore. Yeah. Which is what I've. It's the only good thing I've loved about this pandemic is not being around that type of person anymore Dude, i've just loved everything slowing down and like but one of the things that has brought me joy i think i've seen every episode of dark side of the ring so far oh yeah and 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 like i want to talk about the bruiser brody episode because you talk about puerto rico and but i want to and i know like there are people that say it's like watching a, an action movie but i also think what has to come back to save wrestling like if i were a billionaire i would hire jim Cornette just to build me a roster and and, and orchestrate things I, old school wrestling like bruiser brody was a badass that dude walking through a crowd swinging a chain he would kill you but that story piper rick flair told about roddy uh when they were in uh, santa domingo or whatever where roddy punched the fan in the face <laughs> You had to, or else they were going to... Like, there were people in those Puerto Rico crowds, and and you'll see especially a lot of the Abdullah the Butcher matches because he was, like, the number one heel. Yeah. Uh, and he, he was, like, the Dusty Rhodes in WCW, who he was also the booker. I think yeah. Abdullah was in with Carlos Colon, so he got in the top matches. Uh, those crowds wanted to kill him. Kill like, him. Legit, like... F this guy. He's injuring my superhero good guy wrestler. I'm going to bring a bottle. I'm going to bring a knife and, and try and kill him. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, when you think about that, that 
that makes like oof. I remember reading one of Roddy's books where he talked about that a little bit. Like, why do I don't want to misquote anything? Um, but there's something messed up about what they would call white heat when things would get so hot that the fans would just be literally ready for blood. And you don't get that anymore. Uh-uh, because like, the, the element of realness is gone. Well, like, I don't hate Seth Rollins. No. Like, he's a good bad guy, but, like, I don't, you know, uh, he's just doing his lines. He's rehearsing. I th- yeah, I think the business has been exposed too much. And what they need to do, I think there are so many MMA fighters that are also wrestling fans. That though, like you, you know, DC, uh, Charles Stone, and those guys need to get involved in wrestling. And there has to have that element of even like when I was coming of age, and I was like, okay, this isn't quote unquote real. But there were moments in the ring where I went, but that was real. And I would watch matches thinking that okay, there might be a predetermined outcome, but at any moment, real life emotion can get involved. And these guys are really going to attack each other. Well, I think the MMA has hurt wrestling because MMA is real. Like, yes. So it's like, do you want to watch, uh, you know, pick any two wrestlers from any or right. Do you want to watch Brody Lee against Chris Jericho and and do these scripted, you know, planned out ten to fifteen minute matches, or do you want to watch John Jones against Francis Ngannou? Correct. Uh, you know, so I mean, which was you know, wrestling never had competition really from another sport. Yeah. Uh, well, that the UFC now is what I thought the WWF was when I was eleven. Same thing. See, to me, I thought the UFC was WWF, but in the early days when it was like. <laughs> like no rules and uh oh good point you know, good point like uh unlimited uh weight classes or no, no weight t- classes yeah. uh you had to fight three or times a night i mean those first couple of ufcs were like brutal uh, but great. and i and i'm glad we're talking about this because i honestly don't know how i feel about all of it like pro wrestling mma like where violence is entertainment like Life has kicked my ass so much that when I think about somebody getting punched in the face, I don't, why am I watching that? You know what I mean? You know, it's almost like the same thing with what do you think, what's your version of fake? Uh, You know, what's your version of violence? Like to some people, like when Sting got hurt against Seth Rollins, it was cringe. Like, you know, it's like, Jesus. I didn't even know that match happened. That's how little wrestling I've seen in the last... I, I think the last I was there when Ultimate Warrior got inducted. I was there for the Raw the following Monday where he Jeez. gave a speech. Um, That's one of the airiest speeches, knowing he died the next day. Like, yeah. Was, I honestly believe that night he's such an asshole. He was trying to die in the ring. I really believe he was trying to, has a final F you to Vince McMahon, go, <laughs> I'm going to do this on live TV events. Get mm. this stain off your uh, resume. Because mm. uh, they hated each other. They had real bad blood and stuff between them. Well, I mean, Warrior, like, and I kind of respect him for this. He was, and it's like you and I standing up to a booker or comedy club owner. Yeah. We, we, we really can't because we're yeah. not, 
of that fame level or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, Warrior was. And, you know, there's that one, uh, I think it was Survivor Series or SummerSlam, where he was, I think, supposed to wrestle Sid Vicious. And Sid Vicious goes out there. And then he's in the gorilla position that he's waiting for the music to play. And he looks over at Vince and goes, I'm going to need one million, one million more to, and in addition to whatever he was getting paid or I'm not going out there. Like he did it like Vince Sid McMahon. Vicious did that? No, uh, Ultimate Warrior did that. Wow. So Sid's already out there in the ring. And then uh, he just apparently he looked over at Vince and said, I'm not going out there unless you give me a million more. Wow. And Vince had to give it to him because like, it was like I appreciated Warrior in that regard of uh, he went rogue. Like who stands yeah. up to Vince McMahon? Nobody. Yeah. You just take it. Look at Sting, how he got embarrassed when he came into the WWF. Yeah. I'm sure he just took At WrestleMania. It. Oh, that's what that's what got me on Roddy's podcast. Yeah. Was he was, I was so pissed and he was just like, Hey, why don't you come on and talk about it? And then I think his handlers were like, Hey, you know, you kinda help steer Roddy back into the lane when he strays. Yeah. Do you want to do it every week? And I'm like, Yeah. Uh but I just think you know, today you, you you don't have characters like Warrior or Piper or, no. or, or you know, they're just cookie cutter, good looking guys. You know, you know, I mean I love the Miz, but he ain't Rick Rude. No. Uh you know, I love John Morrison, John Hen I don't know what they call him now, Johnny Nitro, but you know, he's not Shawn Michaels. No. Like, I remember one of the first podcasts that I did with Roddy, he, he was explaining how the business had changed just over the course of his career. And he was like, I had to be Roddy Piper 24 hours a day. He goes, I didn't get a chance to say this as a character. I didn't get a chance to change characters. He was like, we lived it. Yeah, you could tell. Like, um... Like it was just Hi. a different era, and you know, I, I think in the, even in the Road Warriors uh, episode, like they they were like, even when we were wrestling, we were still bouncers at the bar. Yeah, like, and those dudes, they're my favorite tag team of all time, and they were like legit super tough dudes. Like, oh yeah, like you would have to be crazy to go up to road warrior animal and be like i think wrestling's fake i think you're fake because i think that's also the logical extension when people say wrestling's fake that they, i remember roddy i forget which wrestler it was very early on in his career told him he goes i can't convince you that pro wrestling's real but i can for damn sure convince you that i'm for real <laughs> well i mean you look at some of the guys who were uh you know like bad news brown Judo. 76, uh, I think he was a medalist. I yes, might he be was. wrong on that. I think he was a silver medalist in judo at the Olympics, correct? It was either in the Olympics or the Pan Am Games. Okay, I think you might be which right. Which were uh, pretty, I mean, that's like maybe badass. the Junior Olympics. I mean, he's such a badass that uh, I believe Andre the Giant called him the N-word, which is like, eeks. And yep. He went up to the bus driver and just stopped the bus, and he yeah. challenged Andre to a fight outside. Yeah. And uh, Andre the Giant, I guess, said, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. He backed down. Yeah. Like, did you ever see that? I think it was Andre the 
giant wrestling in Japan. I forget who was wrestling. And the guy just kept on low kicking him. He was taking out Andre's leg. Yeah. I mean, they were legit tough. There was a story. I forget who the Road Warriors were wrestling, but these guys didn't stick to the finish that the way they thought the Warriors were. Anyway, there was bad blood. And then next night there was like a battle royal and they were all going to be in the ring at the same time. But there was these wrestlers, like people like the Briscoe brothers were such badasses that like the big muscle bound dudes were afraid of those guys because they would they were legit like MMA fighter level badass dudes. Yeah, I mean Harley Race, like he was like a pretty legit tough guy. But there's even a story of the Warrior when he first started wrestling Andre, and, and the Warrior was pretty stiff, and he hit Andre a few times. You're pretty hard, and Andre was like, the next night, don't do that again. Of course, first clothesline was pretty hard, and then Andre started wrestling for real, and Warrior did not like that. Correct. Uh, but I think with the violence, it, it's like, you know, there's cartoonish violence, which is like AEW and, and WWE, and then there's, you know, ECW and it's prime then I used to go to XPW shows. Which, and that was like the West Coast version of ECW, right? Kind of. Yeah, absolutely. They clearly were trying to be like the West Coast ECW. But like the things I saw, I had to like, I still to this day have trouble explaining some of the things I saw at XPW shows. It was, it was so violent and, and like it was real. Like they were yeah. really... Uh, and there was this guy named Supreme who, of course, just died, I think, two weeks ago. Mm. He was like their big bump taker. Yeah. 49 years old. And wow. There was a show at Birmingham High in the Valley. And uh, it was like their big show. And like XPW, like they were owned by a porn guy, Rob Black. Okay. Who, uh, I forget the name of the porn company because I don't watch porn. <laughs> I really don't. Uh, that's another podcast. And uh, so all the rain girls were... were uh, porn actresses yeah uh the their howard finkel you know their ring announcer would walk to the uh ring in a nazi outfit what uh, goose stepping you know doing the you know with his hand you know the heil hitler uh i mean it was like the craziest and this guy supreme was the main guy so in, in this one match uh they had uh, three sides of the ring had ropes and then there was an open uh no roped side of the ring which yeah I, I was like that, that is gonna be a disaster, disaster tonight so supreme gets up on this ladder on the outside of the ring oh jesus and uh he was so fucking big and I, i'll guess he was maybe your how tall are you i'm five eight he was maybe a little taller than you but close to 400 pounds i mean oh my gosh and of course the the ladder, I'm not doing this justice, but the ladder breaks and he just falls chest first onto the open edge of the uh, ring. And so like right about right below his nipple and in between the ribs. And he was down for 15 minutes. I'm sitting next to this girl. She's crying with the baby. And I'm like, oh, are, are, does your baby not like this? She's like, that's my husband down there. Oh, my gosh. So he gets up. They put an even bigger ring or bigger ladder in the middle of the ring, probably 40 to 50 feet high. What? And the stunt was they had a table full of barbed wire, uh, broken glass, light bulbs. Jeez, Louise. And they were supposed to push the ladder over, and he hits, 
you know, the table to break his fall. That was going to break his fall. So, of course, he gets up there. It's ladder. I don't know how this ladder didn't break. Rob Black, the porn guy, he was like the heel. Yeah. Pushes the ladder. <gasps> on purpose. Like, they, that was a stunt. But I think they put the ladder too close to the edge of the room. <gasps> so, he overshoots the table and goes right under the cement, which is probably as hard as this table. I know it's... Uh, I can't even think about this. He's down for another 15 minutes. And this is like right up there with Mick Foley going through the hell in the cell. It's much worse. It, like I wasn't there live for that. So, but live, uh, I was like, this guy's going to die. The wife is crying again. I couldn't handle that. Like, uh, you know, this is an interesting thing. Like, cause I have to stop living this right now. Cause that's such a painful story to hear. There are things that I used to find entertaining that I just can't even watch anymore. Like um, Breaking Bad, for example. I loved that show when it first came out. And about two years ago, I tried to rewatch it on Netflix. And I'm like, what am I doing? I, I'm not taking this in anymore. This is just too dark. And like when I watched The Dark Side of the Ring on New Jack, like I was a huge ECW is what kind of I remember. OK, so I loved wrestling as a kid. And then I was like, oh, this is terrible. And it was also, I was becoming old enough to understand what was going on around the same time of the steroid scandal in the WWF. 94-ish. Yeah. So, like, all of those guys that were like, I, and before the UFC, I honestly used to believe this. And it's very funny to me now, but I believed it. Whenever I would watch a movie or a boxing match or pro wrestling or street fight, I always thought who had bigger muscles would win the fight. Oh, for sure. Right? Like, and then MMA showed me that, like, oh my gosh, like it's it's skill and training over everything else. Like it is unbelievable what some human beings are capable of. Oh, I mean, I got into not to make this into myself, I got into a fight once playing hockey with this guy who was maybe five five uh you know maybe uh you know jeffrey burner the door guy yeah that exact same body of five five maybe 140 pounds and I, I was pretty big at the time muscle wise and this guy was so he was a sheriff and i didn't know this at the time <laughs> else i never would have done this you know i was like oh you think you're so fucking tough let's go right now and he pushed me on the shoulder for the sole purpose of turning me around it was like a very choreographed he knew exactly what was going to happen he yep. pushes me so hard, I turned around, and he, he choked me out, uh, I guess in, in MMA terms, a rear naked. Yeah. A standing rear naked, and uh, I went out like that. Yeah, and, like a light. Uh, like, I started, like, I, jujitsu is amazing what people, like, it doesn't matter. Like, the, the toughest guys I've met, you wouldn't be able to pick them out of a crowd. The, uh, and, and there's nothing you can do. When somebody really knows what they're doing, there's nothing you can do. But anyway, just in terms of, I was watching Dark Side of the Ring and New Jack. So I loved wrestling as a kid, and then it like I stopped watching it, and then like I got into college, and I was like, oh, okay, this is fun. Like I would laugh with my friends and watch it. Um, But then I don't remember the first time I saw ECW, but it was in Philly. Right. And that was the epicenter of it. And I think I was flipping through the channels late at night one night. And I'm like, what is this? I thought it was real again, but I was a grown up. And I'm like, this guy Taz really, I thought 
like it was the beginning of MMA. It was right. the beginning you would hear of shoot fights in Japan. Um, and it was so freakishly violent that that's what I started to watch ECW. That got me back into, uh, what was it? WCW. And then Hulk Hogan turned bad. Then you had the Monday Night Wars. And I'm like, this is a glorious time to be a wrestling fan. It was the last great era. Yeah, it was insane. It was so good. But now I go back and I watch some of that ECW stuff. And I'm like, I don't, I can't watch this. It was I mean, heartbreaking. Like that's. What was it? I watched a match the other day. Sandman's return. He returned like seven times. It's yeah. Not really. And it, who was in the ring? It was uh, just incredible. It was Rhino, Tommy Dreamer, and uh, one other guy. Uh, and they were doing these basically tombstone pile drivers that were real. Like it's not like the Undertaker where he protects you and leaves about maybe ten inches so you yeah. neck. They were doing the real maneuver. And yeah, I was like I, I couldn't watch it. Like I was, was could no one got it. hurt in that match. But I still couldn't watch it. Just no. Because when you think of what happened to Draws. Oh, Jesus. Uh, you know, and you could still tell in Dark Side uh, how D'Lo Brown is still, a f obviously, he'll be affected forever, just that he basically yeah, paralyzed I that guy. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I'm the same. Like, I look at, like, some of those things ECW. Was, like, I love the Sandman. Yeah, I got to meet him once, and he was, was frightening. Him. He was a frightening person. Like, I, I was a kid. I was in a bar, and I bought him a drink. I was like, excuse me, Sam, man. I'm a big fan. He's like, okay, thanks. And I was like, man, can I buy you a drink? He was like, okay. Sure. So I, like, hit him on the shoulder. I was like, it was very, I was like, I'm a big fan. And he just looked at me and he went, don't ever touch me again. Really? Yeah. And it, I got scared. Well, he's a badass. Yeah, like. that guy would beat, beat people up. Well, he's the type that he's probably, he strikes me as a very unskilled fighter. He's just a tough guy. Yes. Like, you'd have to shoot him to stop him. Yeah. Uh, like, I remember I did a, I used to do these horrible shows at the, usually the Ontario Improv. It was called Championship Comedy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you'd, you it was like an early version of Roast Battle where you'd, you'd go out with a wrestler and they'd be like your valet, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And, and then you'd, like say me and you would talk shit i'd have the sandman and you'd have sabu whoa and, uh, were those guys really there oh yeah sandman i think it was zoltan who's a really funny comic from san, san diego. diego he's a nice guy oh he's like he's on like your level of nice like why can't everyone be like you uh and i think sandman said to him hey i'm gonna hit you with a kendo stick but i'm just gonna hit your shoulder i'm so just, you know, tilt your head to the left and, you know, just barely tap your shoulder and the crowd won't know. Of course, he hits him full on in the head, you know, with the kendo stick. <laughs> you know, it's just like Zoltan. He's a comic. He's not trained to, like, no. take a... But Sam was laughing and, uh, you know, just these guys. Like, New Jack was at a comedy show I was at, at, at Lucky Strike Bowling Lane in Hollywood. Yeah. It was not a great venue. And uh, I get off stage, and he's like, you a funny motherfucker. And he headbutts me. And it kind of hurt. Like, oh, I got yeah. a head that could take, like, a lot. Yeah. Uh, but these guys are like, like, what What could I have done? Nothing. No. Uh, Frightening. So, you know, I, I wouldn't definitely not want to fight these guys. No. Because they're like, sand, and, you know, they didn't make a lot of money. Sandman, I'm, I'll guess... You know, 
maybe made 500 a match in ecw that's crazy crazy supreme and xpw i said to his wife uh i was like hey if you don't mind me asking like what's yeah. he getting tonight they were like what is and i think she said oh around 250 oh my god like, is, is there's insurance right in case he gets hurt and like oh no <laughs> these were before the two bumps went askew. oh my goodness gracious uh, so you know. And I guess it's very similar to stand-up comedy where it's like you do those gigs to get better and to have a chance at the higher paying, more prestigious gigs, right? I, well, like you work I mean, your way up. In ECW, in, geez, in XPW, like, I don't know. I mean, because the WWE, I still want to call them F, yeah. uh, I don't think they really had any use for the ECW guys. Uh, I think it, in a very real sense, and this is just a casual fan's opinion, but I think in a very real sense, they took elements of ECW and put that into the attitude error, like, like yeah. the spirit of what was going on. And I, I even saw parallels between the Sandman's character and Stone Cold Steve Austin's character. Oh, like, absolutely, with the beer. And, yes. Uh, but I think just because they have so many more sponsors than ECW did, like yeah, they, it had to be a, 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 a version of it, but it was not. It was most definitely not the same thing. But I, I guess I could say, as a casual fan, I saw the influence of ECW in what oh, the sure. WWE did to win that war. And I, I mean, it was incredible. It was like, I mean, the greatest wrestlers ever. You had Ric Flair, you had Hulk Hogan, you had, you had the NWO guys, you had Sting coming out of the rafters. Like that's the last time I really loved wrestling was at the end of Nitro, and you knew at some point Sting was going to come out of the rafters with a baseball bat. It sounds so ridiculous, and it is ridiculous, but it was so much fun to watch. But I think it's because they took their time with. That's the last era where I think they took their time with storylines. Mm -hmm. You know, like uh, that first Sting Hogan match. I think didn't take place for nine months. Yeah, that's awesome. So they every week it was a little bit more, uh, and so they had the fans just frothing. And then of course the match sucked because Hogan right. wouldn't job to Sting. Right. Uh, but you know, nowadays it's just storylines are over in a maybe three weeks yeah it's unwatchable uh, i i really i haven't seen it in years i mean i'm watching a little bit of aew just because i'm a huge Brody lee fan luke harper for those of you who, okay he was in the uh bray wyatt's original. that was you know what it's i'm glad you brought those guys up because when th what were those guys called we're here i i, I want to say the brood but i know that was raven's uh, uh you know the wyatt family right Okay, there was a point, it was whatever WrestleMania it was, and this is what makes wrestling awesome, okay? But it's so rare when it happens. But I was at WrestleMania with Gabriel, and it was just so cool to become friends with that guy, because he is legit a saint. Like, he's he's a saint. Um... And we were there when The Undertaker lost to Brock Lesnar. And there was an element of the referee counted too fast that wasn't supposed to happen. Like, it was... I fully marked out for that. Like, I'm a grown-up. I'm a grown man. I know what the business is. 
But in that second, I was like, that was not supposed to happen. But then another thing, this is what makes wrestling awesome, is that Brock Lesnar proved what a badass he really was because he went to the UFC. Yeah. And he was dominant in the UFC for a period of time. Maybe, I I mean, possibly the greatest fight card of all time when you, now his record's not that great because it's five and three or something like that. But look who he fought. Yeah. Like I'm a big UFC guy and like probably the worst fighter on Brock Lesnar's card is Heath Herring who was like a top guy. Yeah. That's the worst guy he fought. Yeah. Uh, but I think, you know, it's funny when wrestlers go to MMA, MMA guys, you know, go to wrestling. I, I don't know if Brock Lesnar liked getting hit. Like who, who would? Right. <laughs> but I do think there's some guys like a Sandman who, yeah, hit me. Yeah. I think he wasn't in the shape to be an MMA guy, but I think he would have taken a lot of punishment. Yeah. Uh, I if, don't, if you, if he, yeah. You know, there's certain guys like wrestling, you know, you could tell Rick Rude was a legit tough guy. Yeah. Uh, he didn't mind working stiff. Vader. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it shows you like what a badass Paul Orndorff was for yeah. beating up Vader. Like, um, but then, you know, you could tell other guys, you know, the more cosmetic guys are like, uh, yeah, let's just stick to the, uh, the storyline and, yeah. uh, let's not do any improv. I'm not getting hurt doing this shit. Yes. A great body. I'm being brought in here for my look and my face. Let's not mess either one up. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's why like in Lesnar, you could tell in that fight with Overeem, uh, like, well, the first time Overeem hit him, you could see a look on his face. It's like, oh, I didn't like that. Uh, and then he got liver kicked by Overeem, who was like, like Overeem used to be our size. Like he, he, and I think uh, 2003 fought Chuck Liddell in Pride. Wow. And he was 205. Wow. Which is about what I'm at. Wow. Like, and then, you know, a couple years later, he's 265 and ripped. Like, huh. it's an impossible transformation to do without, you know. Supplements. Uh, yeah, supplements is one way to put it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I don't think Overy would be a good wrestler. Right. Because I think he likes fighting. Like, yeah. And he'd want to hit the guy. Dude, I want to see some of the, I want to see DC. I want to see Shell Sonnen. Like, okay, so I'm at WrestleMania, and it was during, like, the rise of Daniel Bryant's character. Right. And I was like, this guy is just so likable. And I also, there was something about Daniel Bryan where, like, I was like, that guy looks like he trains MMA. Like, and, and, um, CM Punk was just such a great interview. Yeah. He was so entertaining where I went, oh, if they could set up a feud between, like, CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. And then when the Wyatt showed up, I went, this is why I watched wrestling as a kid. Like, there was something so real about that Wyatt family and also ridiculous over the top entertaining like the lights would go out and that we're here like it's ridiculous and awesome and cool and that only happens in pro wrestling and uh it's very rare when it does happen and i think there was a period there where if the creative at the wwe was a little more on top of it and like like i always tell people they go like because i i almost feel like i'm cheating on pro wrestling by saying i don't like it anymore like, I feel guilty about saying that because when I meet wrestling fans, they're such cool people. I love them. But I go, this is where wrestling lost me. When I was a kid, Gordy Sully or Mean Gene Okerlund 
would interview a pro wrestler, a good guy, and they would interview a bad guy. And I really believed that if the good guy and the bad guy were in the anywhere in the same room together at any point, they would fight. Oh, absolutely. But then something happened in wrestling where they got rid of that announcer, that sport announcer, and it would just be a good guy in the ring with a bad guy. They would both have microphones, and they're just talking to each other. I'm like, well, if you really want to beat this dude up, drop the microphone and go kick his ass. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a great point about the announcers. Like, uh, they were almost straight men. Yes. You know, like... Gordon Soley was the best. Like his his interview where he's trying to have a serious interview with RoboCop. Like it's. Oh, I have fun- to go back and watch Dude, that. It's so funny to. He's like backstage <laughs> in this dark hallway. We're gonna interview RoboCop now. Like there's an actual RoboCop, and uh, you know now it's just good looking fitness models. Like it's so if, stupid. If you look at the announcers, uh, especially the segment announcers. Uh, you know they're just really good-looking dudes. Uh, you, you know, and the and the girls are just generic. That's know. what. Okay, my favorite promo of all time is Dusty Rhodes' "Hard Times." <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. And he was like, "My fanny might be a little bit too wide." He really epitomized the working man and a dude that was just going to go out there and fight for what was his. Because Ric Flair put hard times on him. That feud is one of the greatest things ever. And if wrestling could capture that, and you could say it's scripted, you could say it's this, it's that, I'd love to watch something like that again. It was so awesome. And then when you talk about RoboCop getting in, that's ridiculous. When 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 the Shockmaster came out with that most ridiculous gimmick of all time, that only happens in wrestling. Like There is a level of humor to it that when I was in my 20s watching, you know what? I was in an improv troupe at the time. And these guys were all from the University of Pennsylvania. They were all really smart dudes. And they were like, wait, are you a wrestling fan? I was like, uh, yeah. They were like, so are we. And we became, and they were like, did you see the paper? I'm like, no. And it was the, the, it was the Rock's breakout moment when he was a nation of domination. And in the middle of the interview, he goes, know your role. Know your role. Know your, like, and when the Rock, I think the Rock is one of the most talented comedic actors of all time his sense of timing is impeccable oh he's it doesn't matter what you know what i mean like when you cut it was the greatest thing ever i mean he's he was great back when he first uh broke out of the nation of domination and his interview skills were like that was like the last guy who could really work a mic correct uh and that's over 20 years ago yeah and you, you just don't have like I mean, Bray Wyatt was almost there, but they buried the guy. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. understand what they did. They had a real opportunity there. They need, but you brought it up. Uh, they need better writers. Like, I don't think they're hiring wrestling fans. Not to say you want to hire marks who are just like, hey, right. let's have uh, you know, right. Hogan power up and like, you know, beat the bad guy again. But like, they need people who understand, like. What makes it cool? Not the business, but what the fans want. That's why I honestly, when I hear Jim Cornette interviewed and talk, and he has such passion for wrestling, I'm like, well, that guy should just be put in charge of something, and it would be awesome. But guys like us, like we get, uh, or girls, I'm sure there's a few girls out there like us, which is really scary, but 
I mean, they're probably scared for life because Vince Russo, at the end of the day, was just a fan. Yeah. He had no background in, in really wrestling or uh, writing. He was just a, a fan who got, hey, how about this idea? Oh, that kind of works. And, but, like, you know, nowadays it, it's – you don't care about the storylines. No. You don't hate the bad guys. You no. You really love the good guys. No, there was different uh, locker rooms in my brain as a kid. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, all the bad guys are hanging out and all the good guys are hanging out, and it was awesome, and something happened where it just... I mean, I think the internet really hurt the business because it took a bit of the realism away. Yeah. You know, like, I remember when the WCW brought the Warrior back in 98. Uh, it was ruined because some fan, uh, like, Sunday night, so... Uh, this all happened on Monday night, Nitro. Sunday night, he's like, hey, everyone, I was at the Buffalo uh, airport, and I saw the warrior with his wrestling bag. Yeah. So you're like, oh, in Buffalo? Nitro's tomorrow night in Buffalo? Oh, he's coming out. Yeah. So it was just like stuff like that. It was just on some, I think it was on lordsofpain.net, why I remember the website yeah. I was on 20 years ago. Uh, I think that's hurt. You can't really have those surprises anymore. Yeah. Uh, which, I, I mean, who didn't love, like, when we were kids, you know, like, the surprise return. Nothing better. There's nothing like when, uh, who was it, when Hogan and Sid Vicious were wrestling and, and, and then all of Sid Vicious's gangs are beating up Hogan and then the Warriors music hit. It's the greatest. I mean, I, that's my favorite part. When Hogan, the NWO, I mean, that's like the ultimate. Yeah. You know, and the announcers played it up like, oh, he's finally here to save Luger and Sting yeah. and, and Macho Man. And and then he turned, like, that was wrestling 9-11. Like, yeah. Like it really was. Like the guy in the front, he's wearing. I think he's wearing an ECW shirt. He's crying because he was so devastated. It's awesome, uh, and that's awesome. Yeah, like that's good writing. Yes, you're right. Like that was just the way they drug that out, and you know, first Hall, and then Nash the next week, and then it was like a two month. I think I might be off on, but it was a it was a while before uh, the the third guy was revealed and even in the match he wasn't revealed till the end like it was just you were so invested in who this third partner was and then hogan comes out you think all right who's the third partner still like it's not hogan and then it is hogan like yeah. they don't do that anymore like no you know and it's like what and there's no more surprises left like no which is why i got so upset with sting because he was like the last surprise of oh my god he's here Yes. Like, this is crazy. Like, uh, and then they just bury the poor son of a b bitch. Uh, like, yeah. I think there is a way where if some of the MMA guys start to migrate over again. I mean, I th you know, I mean, maybe. I mean, because, dude, if Daniel, if, if, if DC shows up, Daniel Cormier shows up at a, in my brain, now I'm a grown up. I know what wrestling is. But if there was a way to, like, there's nobody that's going to take that dude out in that locker room. Only John. Like, they could spin it. Like, I could get back into it for a second if uh, DC came out and then, uh, you know, they were teasing, like, a mystery opponent for him. Or, and then, you know, at the pay-per-view or the night before the pay-per-view, John Jones comes Oh, out. dude, could you imagine? Like, they would probably fight for real. So, I don't know. Like, those two guys are such badasses. 
that I think they're probably incapable of putting on a fake fight. Dude, it'd be so cool. But that would get me to pop and. Uh, but like they've run out of surprises. Like yeah. there's no one left. Hulk Hogan's come back like ten times. Undertaker, yeah. uh, you know, and and I think yeah. There's no, there's no, there's no story. There's, I mean, dude, I have not seen it in eight years. It's so bad. I mean, I I tuned out after Sting because like I was like I was so excited when he came in. Like this is. Like, I was at that WrestleMania. Oh. And it was so cool. Like when they hit the NWO music and stuff, I'm like, I was lit, grown man jumping up and down with joy. I'm like, this is so fun and cool. But then when Sting just got squashed, I'm like, what? This is. But that's where they need good writers who are capable of standing up to Triple H, who's obviously probably the main writer yeah. or the main. He has the. I don't know if he writes, but he's like the main. He's the guy. So he. Any idea is going to have to be okayed by him and and Vince McMahon, and it's like that storyline. And I think it's so perfect as to what we're talking about. Yeah, it made zero sense. Yeah, I think it's a very simple fix. I think you could start your own independent promotion. I really do believe this, and make it just old school, like territory style wrestling, where there's good guys and bad guys. And your car, your core fan are, you know, like families and kids. You know what I mean? Where, but then there's moments where these guys are legit tough guys, and you think at any point it's going to get real, real. And you have to have guys populating that talent pool. Where, like, like I said, like these MMA guys. So, like, that's what I thought wrestling was as a kid. It'd be I mean, cool. I mean, it you, could be cool, but then again, can, maybe maybe it's just done, done. done I think forever. it is personally. Like I, AEW is giving it their best shot, but once again, I think their problem is they're getting WWF castoffs. Yeah, like they're getting guys. I like I love Jack Swagger, and he's a legit tough guy. Yeah, that guy is a tough guy. You know, he fights in Bellator, but the two guys, I love how they bill him as an undefeated MMA guy. Like the two guys he beat look like open micers. Like yeah. Uh, but like he wasn't even in the top twenty guys in WWF. Now no. he's the number one heel. Like yeah, they're gonna have to have someone like a Seth Rollins or because um, do you, do you think like in the fans' minds, whatever market value the WWE said you had, that will migrate over to other territories? Is that why wrestlers like Hogan wouldn't do the job? Because there is a psychology to it all, right? And I think, well, whatever. I mean, who knows? Like, you know, but if you look at, like, like the, I, I go back to the Sting storyline just because it's the writing was so bad. Yeah. Like, the NWO comes down to save him, but he was never aligned with the NWO. Yeah. Like, it, it, it like. There was a ridiculous note. To it, so, and then. That uh, would be like bad guys come yeah like made like i like it and then uh the dx comes out and and sean michaels and nash are fighting but it's like uh 12 hours ago you just inducted him into the hall of fame like correct it's been exposed to the point yeah so it's like okay this isn't realistic like what could have been cool is if sean michaels was just there by himself and super kick sting 
or they did some angle because they had never wrestled before. Right. It's like, okay, this is fresh. Yeah. Uh, or I still say, and this goes to the writing and, and someone's, I don't think you or I have the clout to stand up to Triple H. Right. But be like, why don't you have Sting fight Randy Orton? Randy Orton was great. But he does the legend killer shtick. He yeah. cuts a promo. You have him in the ring on Monday Nitro. He, he said, I beat Hogan. I beat Stone Cold. I beat uh, The Undertaker. I beat Kurt Angle. I beat all these great legends. And then Sting drops down from the rafters. And he's like, you didn't beat me. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Like, But that's like, we're just two idiots on a couch. And Dude, I forgot... There was also a period of, I, I guess, I forgot about another little uh, flirtation I had with pro wrestling was around 2008, I think is when Randy Orton started the pop. Right. And I would watch it for him because he was so old school in his approach. I'm like, this dude's awesome. He's such a good heel. He's great. And our friend Daniel at the time, it was Daniel that would always talk to me about because I had that bit about watching Hulk Hogan as right. a kid. And then I became friends with Daniel. And then I was working at Gold's Gym in Venice at the time, and I got Randy's uh, Randy Orton's autograph for Daniel. I remember that. Oh, really? Yeah, and he was just so cool and so awesome. Yeah, there have been little glimpses of really fun wrestling moments over the last twenty years, but but it could be solved if you know you had good writing. But I mean, now you know all the returns have happened. I know I've heard rumors of a Sting and Undertaker uh, thing for next WrestleMania, but it's like, dude, that that match should have been ten years. Okay, this ago. is what I think. I think pro wrestling right now is very similar to where the Comedy Store was when we started to hang out there. Oh yeah, the Comedy Store twenty years ago was a ghost town. Everybody in industry said it was done. Everybody said its heyday is twenty years ago. There's no more talent coming out of the comedy store. There's no no agent, no manager, no nobody would come through there. The only people that were at the comedy store when we were doing open mics were people there because they loved comedy. They, it wasn't about a look. It wasn't about a style of comedy. It was like, we love this. And I remember Mitzi saying then, I remember in 2003, the legendary Mitzi Shore saying it was her babies. It was all the young guys that were going to bring that club back. It was all the unknowns at the time that were going to. And before this lockdown, before the coronavirus, there was, the comedy store was probably the most popular it's ever been. Oh, I man. mean, multiple shows sold out every night. And my point is, just let me finish this point, is that there could be a group of unknown wrestlers right now that grew up loving it, that have never been given a push. And if, if you had somebody... Like you said, some create the right creative minds, bringing back a very like that Puerto Rico style wrestling. You saw well, when I saw that video of Bruiser Brody swinging a chain <laughs> through a crowd. I'm like, he could kill somebody. And you looked at that guy, and you're like, this dude is a legit tough guy. I'm afraid of that dude. That would be. It could happen. You could make wrestling great again. I mean, you could, but you'd need so many of the right scenarios all happening and all firing at the same time i just don't see it happening but uh i mean you need the good writing you need the guys like i find the wrestlers we like you know from hogan to piper to the warrior to uh, you know sid vicious all those guys were better actors 
than the people today. Like, yeah. Like they could pull off being from Uganda, and you go, oh yeah, Nikita Koloff. Yeah, wouldn't speak English. Any like he didn't speak English for years. He he's stayed from in Minnesota. Yep, he's. I think he's a preacher now. It's so funny to see his YouTube uh, interviews where he's speaking like perfect English and like, oh, he's a pretty nice guy. Yeah, he's. All, he was telling a story about the late Ro- Road Warrior Hawk, and then it was beautiful about like how the guy started to get close to God and like the passion that 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 era of wrestling was something special we grew up in and it was great it really was great yeah i just i don't think today's guys have the passion i think they all see the rock they want to be the next rock they want to be actors they want to be um you know in the public eye not having to wrestle which i get it's a brutal business to be in yeah uh, no matter what era but like back then i think you had guys who actually liked wrestling like I don't think Rick Rude wanted to be a movie star. Right. And I bet there are a ton of guys right now. Like you were talking about Jack Swagger switching employers and getting a push. I'm sure there are guys right now that'll listen to this podcast or I hope that would be like, Hey man, I'm here. Give me the ball. This is, I want to do, they want to make it great. I don't know how, I don't know how any of the business works. I just know I used to be a huge fan and it would be great if it, if I became a fan again, but I love Brody Lee, like Brody Lee, and I don't he, even know who that is. It's Luke Harper. Oh, okay, that's right. So the guy with that. the beard, the, yeah, the black beard, and uh, like he's been given a chance that he just wasn't given in WWE. Correct. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I think there are a lot of guys that just given an opportunity would shine. Would, yeah, could I mean, bring it back. Uh, even the other uh, Wyatt member, Eric uh, Harper, was. Uh, all the, those guys were big and scary. The bald guy. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I wouldn't mind. Like, you watch Brody Lee in AEW. That guy's amazing. Like, yeah. very uh, nimble and athletic. I, I just saw him in WWE as, like, just some slow plotting, you know, stoolie to Bray Wyatt. Do you know what I think's the coolest thing ever? And you know what I honestly think could bring back wrestling? I, I mean, I, I, well, tell me. I think Tom Segura could bring back pro wrestling because if you look what he's doing right now, that's brilliant. It is brilliant. Okay, I had to say this earlier. I wanted to say this earlier. Like hilarious, super cool, love him. But there's a brilliance. What he's doing to me is very similar to what made Ric Flair great. It's very similar to what Andy Kaufman did with Jerry the King Lawler. When he like he's playing a heel so good right now that it is genius. Because I think it's genius because he believes it. Like, I really genius. don't think he's a wrestling guy, and he's like, no, this stuff is ridiculous. How can you say it's real? And but he also knows he's a very very smart dude. And yeah, gen- his, that's what I'm saying. He's genius. They're geniuses, uh, both of them. They know that this would be the reaction. Oh, for sure. Because that's one of the stories. Like he was like we were talking about wrestling. Like, why do you? I go. I, I was talking about the morality of it and the storytelling of it. But I remember we had the legendary judo Gene Labelle and like Mister Labelle. Like that guy's such a badass that I get nervous even speaking his name. <laughs> he's, he's, he's the he's beyond legendary. Beyond legendary. And he told a story on Roddy's podcast once when he was a guest. And to make a long story short, essentially. Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay was 
an unbelievable young boxer. He had just got, won a gold medal at the Olympics, and he was also a pro wrestling fan. And it, I believe, I hope I'm not getting this story wrong, and I'm only sharing this out of the utmost respect. I don't want to get beat up. Um, I believe it was Judo Jean LaBelle's mom that was a legendary promoter, and she was like, to Muhammad Ali, she was like, you're a great boxer, but that doesn't matter. What you need to do is you need to learn how to sell tickets. And the story as I remember it was, Muhammad Ali spent some time with the legendary classy Freddie Blassie, and instantly, Muhammad Ali flipped the switch and became this character that sold tickets because he took a pro wrestling element I mean, to what he did, and if you look at what Muhammad Ali did, I mean, not, I mean, I mean, he was cutting promos. Oh, absolutely! Uh, Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Come on, dude! Calling Joe Frazier a a, a gorilla. Oh, to me, that's horrible. When you find out about Jeez. the friendship Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier had, and how Joe Frazier financially supported him, and also, and I do have a Philly bias, but Joe Frazier, did you ever see that documentary on Joe Frazier? Oh, he's great. I mean, they stole so much of Joe Frazier's life and put it into the Rocky character. But Joe Frazier was blind in one eye. Yeah, I mean. Uh, That's insane. And you can say Muhammad Ali is the greatest boxer of all time, greatest heavyweight of all time. But Joe Frazier humbled him. In that first fight, Joe Frazier beat Muhammad Ali fair and square at, in their primes. Then Frazier won and fought the heavyweights of that era. Frazier took a bunch of other fights, and in that third fight they had, Muhammad Ali even said he didn't want to come out of his corner. Legitimately, Frazier could have taken two out of three from Ali. I mean, it's judging in this. Uh, I'm a big 70s heavyweight boxing guy. Greatest era of heavyweight boxers ever, right? Like, you look at those guys. There were so many oh, destroyers. I, I just bought a book. Uh, I'll show it to you after I turn everyone on to this fight. It's the greatest heavyweight fight I've ever seen in my life. It's only four and a half rounds. It's Ron Lyle okay, who and George Foreman. And this is a prime George Foreman. Uh, Ron Lyle knocked him down three times. Wow. George Foreman knocked him down three times. Uh, and then he Lyle lost in the fifth round. Uh, but Ron Lyle was in Colorado State Prison for seven years for murder. Oh my! And God. then he got out. So I, I mean, the prime of his boxing career was, you know, shot before it even had a chance. You should do a documentary on him. I never knew it, his story. It's uh, and he beat. Uh, well, he was beating Ali on all scorecards for eleven rounds, and then Ali he got a little tired because I can't imagine his cardio was good being in prison for seven years. Uh, but like he was in the seventies, uh, Ken Norton. Who was okay, there was a guy named Ernie Shavers. Ernie Shavers. There was a boxer at the gym I used to work at in Hollywood. And he said Ernie Shavers would hit so hard, he would they'd have to replace the heavy bag every after every workout. He would hit so hard he destroyed That's crazy. heavy bags. I mean I mean the thing in the seventies boxing you had a prime Ollie. Yep. Prime Frazier. Yep. Prime Foreman. Yeah. And then the second tier guys, like any other era, would have been champions. You had Ron Lyle, uh, Ken Norton, Ken Norton, Ernie Shavers. Uh, 
I mean, I wouldn't say Tex Cobb. I'm biased to Tex Cobb. because Love Tex Cobb. When you were talking about guys that just love to fight and guys yeah. that can't be hurt, did you ever read Patrick Swayze's biography and the Tex Cobb no. story he tells him? Oh, it's awesome. Because they were in Uncommon Valor. Correct. So they're filming a fight scene for Uncommon Valor. Okay, and this is Swayze's own words. And I'm going to paraphrase, and I'm going to get this wrong, too. But it's just, that's one thing I do hate about podcasts, that people could take something you said and isolate it and try to make it. I hate, I hate right. podcasts. I hate them. But it's fun to hang out. And if, okay, I'm having to, whenever I hang out with you, because we can talk I have so much fun but we both talk a lot but it's, we're also dude i love it i love hanging out with you okay so here's the story i'm reading swayze's biography and he tells a story about a fight scene with randall tex cobb who do you know that tex cobb wound up becoming a like a he studied i think he got a phd in theology from temple university <laughs> he wasn't a dumb guy no and he talked about because there was a bar in Philadelphia that legend had it that Tex Cobb would go there and get his mail delivered. He hung <laughs> up. He loved Philly that much. Right. Um, but the story Swayze tells in his book is that Tex Cobb was like, give him the business because he wanted the fight to be real, to look as real as possible. And he wanted Swayze to really hit him. And Swayze's like, this is not how you make movies. But Tex Cobb kept on giving him the business. And I guess there was a fight scene in the water. I have to go back it's and watch It's amazing. It. Yeah, I have to go back and watch that scene. But I guess, you know, Tex is giving him the business and he's been a little stiff with him. And Swayze's getting angrier and angrier. Then Patrick Swayze said he had been studying martial arts his entire life. And that was all about discipline. And you put governors on your skills so you never really try to hurt somebody. But he was like, Randall, Tex Cobb, was getting him so infuriated and being so stiff with him that there was a point where Swayze was livid and went, I'm going to try to kill this guy. And he said, I hit him with everything I possibly could. He goes, I try." He goes, I didn't want to hurt him. I wanted to kill him. <laughs> he goes, I hit him as hard with a lifelong training behind it. He goes, I hit him with everything I had and Tex Cobb, took the punch and laughed and said, that's what I'm talking about, Hollywood. More of that. That's how tough Tex Cobb was. Well, it's a great fight scene because you could tell it was uh, borderline real. Yeah. Because uh, Tex Cobb, uh, a lot of people don't know this about him, is he was a world-class kickboxer. Correct. Um, so I think you, that was the first time I saw him. I think ESPN back in the early 80s yeah. used to show kickboxing. Like He had some great fights. I don't know why... Sometimes I wonder why I haven't made it in stand-up. It's because I can name you the the kickboxing champion uh, from the 80s was John Jackson. Okay. And that's who Tex Cobb would fight a lot. And, uh, you know, so you could tell there was an element in that fight with Swayze of realness. So cool. Because I don't think Tex Cobb was capable of doing a fake fight. Right. Like, you know, he, he's a fighter. Like, So that's why it's always interesting to see you know, wrestlers go to MMA and, and, you know, like CM Punk, you know, he didn't do too well in his fights. I res I respect him though. I would never have the courage to do that. Oh, he put in the training, uh, like, uh, but you know, much like Lesnar, he was in over his head. Uh, yeah. Well, it shows you that the there's levels to this. Like CM Punk could beat up just about everybody walking down the street. I could beat up you and me. A hundred percent. So not even like, but there are levels to it. Like there are guys that are just so skilled at what they do. 
like I started to train jujitsu a little bit and I miss it so much right now during this lockdown. And it was the scariest thing I've ever done. And also like, I really wanted to do it. And the people that do it are awesome. Like, thank God there's a certain balance to the universe that generally the toughest guys are also the kindest guys. Usually. Usually, which is awesome. But there are these guys like Earl, like there's nothing I could do. They would just, and they're not even trying like they, the way they could just shift their body weight on me. I'm like, I can't move right now. Oh, it's frightening. Some of the people who are, and they're not, there's this one guy who's a black belt and he's awesome and he's so cool, but he would put his, he'd fold his hands behind his head and just use his legs. And I couldn't get past his legs to try to pass his guard. He would do an open guard and I couldn't like I couldn't get past his legs. I mean it's like it's I used to take boxing classes with the Weaver triplets, Lloyd, Floyd, and Troy. Their brother was Mike Weaver, the heavyweight. Uh he, was, he just grew up in the wrong era, like when Tyson was around. It was just like it's the worst time in the world to be a heavyweight boxer. Yep. Uh but they were so good and like you know, they were kind of normal looking guys. They weren't like overly muscular and yep. they could kill you. Kill you. Uh, a boxer, just one punch. Like when somebody knows the leverage to throwing a punch, it's vicious. Like Tate? Can you imagine oh. getting hit by Tate? Okay, that's okay. When I think of like the toughest guys also being the kindest guys, like that dude's mm-hmm. like, he's like a Jedi. You know what I mean? Like, he has this level of peace that he brings to every room he walks into that is just awesome and you want to be around it and he's so kind and so sweet but dear god if that dude wanted to hurt somebody yeah imagine getting into a bar fight with him no you know or rogan who like i always say joe rogan's the toughest guy to ever touch a microphone oh yeah i mean uh i I can't i mean i don't know who else even comes close to him in terms of his uh no. I mean, he could fight in the UFC. Like, if he Easily. Was when that boxing gym I worked at 20 years ago, like, I started, like, just working out there. And I remember meeting the, tra- the, the head boxing trainer there who was so cool. But he told me he was, because I went up there, I was just looking at pictures. And he had a picture of Rogan hitting the heavy bag. And it was just the picture just made you cringe. And he was, and I was like, oh, wow, Joe. He goes, oh, you know, Joe, this is before Fear Factor and right. stuff. I go, yeah, I, I do open mics down at the comedy store and he's there all the time. And he was like, he hits like a heavyweight contender. He goes, if Joe Rogan wanted to be a professional boxer, he, he could have been a champion. Well, he's got that Tyson build. Yeah. Like, it's kind of, not short, but like he's compact. But there's a guy that was a professional boxing trainer that said Joe could have, just in boxing, hit so hard he could have been a world champion. And then he's got multiple black belts in, in jiu-jitsu. He's got a black belt from... Jean-Jacques Machado and Eddie Bravo. So he's got a black belt with a gi and without a gi. That's... He would kill. And did you ever see that video of him kicking that yeah. bag Imagine. with GSP? He how would... much that would hurt? GSP even says in the video that could kill somebody. He goes, dude, you'd kill somebody if you kicked them that hard. Like Sometimes I watch a UFC fight. and Like when uh, Overeem liver kicked Lesnar. Oh, like, the, I, the boss rooting liver kick. I can't imagine how that would... like. No. I've never really been hit. I, I mean, I've never really fought, but like, I, I, I can't imagine what that would feel like. Be like getting hit by a car. Yeah. Well, they say the NFL, every play is like an, uh, a car, car accident. accident. 
and NHL too. Like yep. those guys, they're they're maybe not quite as big as NFL guys, but like you know, that's why I get upset when wrestling's fake. You know, those guys are like big guys. You and I would be midgets in pro wrestling. Midget, yeah. Uh, so, and we're pretty big guys. I'm not. You so, are. I'm not. I'm I'm all fake. I just suck it in and stuff. But <laughs> like, you know. The, well, that's what like when when Tom was asking me what he would how he would do in the ring and stuff. I'm like, yeah, you're an athlete. You you're he could Segura's a big dude. Oh yeah, I mean, I you know he's probably the size of a Bray Wyatt. Yeah, I mean, not, I, uh, he's a big. But I was like, dude, you have to be careful because those guys are tough too. I go, yeah, I understand what you're saying about the entertainment value to it. I'm like, you just need one dude that wants to make a name for himself, like Doctor D when he slapped. That's John exactly Stossel. what I said. Yeah. You know, ask John Stossel now if he thinks wrestling's fake. Dude, I remember watching Belzer get put out by Hulk Hogan. Yeah. I mean, Hogan's a giant dude. Uh, giant. But, uh, you know, so, I mean, that's why it'll be interesting to see where Tom's thing goes. I, I so cool. I'm glad he's doing it in a way. I think it's really cool. I mean, and it was great just to hang out with him and Christina. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I love uh, both of them. and But to, to get to kind of perform a little bit of shtick on their podcast was pretty cool. I was just so nervous because I, 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 I didn't want to uh, ever, I wanted to be completely authentic with them. Right. And I didn't want to say anything that would hurt wrestling fans feelings, but like a lot of stuff, everything Tom was saying, I'm like, yeah, man, that's cause like I, his, when you talk about the current product, it's, it's stinky. It's like just, there's no, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings over at the WWE, but it's like, if you if you know what rest pro wrestling could be and what how it's being presented now, I think everybody would agree that it's kind of stinky right now. Well, it just see, I don't mind hurting people's feelings in terms of wrestling, uh, you know, because we're fans. Like I yeah. love the wrestling so much, I want it to be better because I want to watch it again. You know, I mean, when Nitro and and Raw were going at it, like I, I my Monday started at five p.m. and I was just. For the next five hours, because I think Raw was one hour after, uh, or one of them was one hour yes. after. So you know you had like a, a five hour block of wrestling. Yeah, it was uh, awesome. Uh, I want to get back to that. Like I want AEW to do well. Yeah, uh, but like you know to go up against the WWE, it's tough, man. Like it's almost impossible. It's, I mean, WCW did it for two years. Yeah. Uh, but I think the WWE, what the WWE did in that era by going, all right, all of our big names have gone and then they just, just developed new talent and they got the rock and they got stone cold and it was awesome. It was so good. But I think like, to me, you need four things to adequately go up against them. And, and WCW had three of them, you know, you, you got to get the names. Yep. You've got to get a Seth Rollins over to AEW, uh, maybe a Roman Reigns, uh, uh, you know, maybe a Daniel Bryan. Uh, no, this is what I would say. You need Go names, the other way. Though, dude. Yeah, but you get Chael Sonnen, you get Daniel Cormier, you get another guy that's been an MMA guy, and it's old school territory kind of approach where you go, you want this title? We're going to put it on Daniel Cormier. Send whoever you want over here. But how about we take Daniel Cormier and send him over to the WWF and see how he does? Like, you know that legendary story about how the Iron Cheek was offered money to break Hulk Hogan's leg? Because 
there are levels, man. You got to get the real tough guys. Oh, I agree. I mean, I just think, you know, uh, wrestling fans are like trained monkeys, and I'm one of them. Uh, you, you know, I need names. I need, uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, Dude, imagine if Tate was a pro wrestler. Yeah. He would be awesome. But, like, that that's not going to help right now. Like, you need a CM Punk to go to AEW. You know, yeah, someone I know is going to make the But channel. I would just start my own thing. And well, I'd be I like, agree. These are my guys. These are my guys. You might not know these names, but they're tougher than your guys. But I think what WCW did was, you know, their first rule or their first plan of attack was get the names. Macho yeah. Man, Warrior, all those guys. And then you develop your own guys, like you said. Yeah, I understand that. But I would. Did, did Roddy ever tell you about how Judo Gene took him under his wing? Mm-mm. And I believe this is. I, I don't know. I'm done. Prep the story. I remember. Who cares? Uh, yeah. Who right. facts checks a wrestling, wrestling podcast. podcast? Right. Okay. But when Roddy was a young dude wrestling in Los Angeles, part of the promotion at the time was on the wrestling show. They would say, "You think you're tough enough." To be a professional wrestler, come down on Friday night to the arena and take on one of our guys. And Roddy, as a young kid, was one of their guys. Okay. And Uncle Gene, Mr. LaBelle, Judo Gene LaBelle, the godfather of MMA, would corner him and be like, now underhook him. Slide your right hand around. Get There you go. And choke. Okay. Grab his ankle. Turn it. No, the other way. There you go. Put uh, Lock it in and tap that's how it happened because the business you respected the business more than the names right like that's why guys that the legendary story of hacksaw jim duggan and the iron Sheik getting pulled over i remember that hurting me like i was right old enough to know like i would you know everybody would say what they would say about wrestling but when that happened i was like oh man i guess they're right yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, in the internet, T- TMZ type uh, <sighs> gossip reporting. was, yeah. Oh, my God, the, the Sheik and Duggan were uh, busted with weed. Uh, oh, I thought they were enemies. Like, yes. Uh, but I, I think like, I think you need to do everything. You, you need the names. You need to develop your own talent. You need a, a, a short-term uh, storyline. Yeah. You know, which... You know, was was probably Hogan turning heel. That worked. You need a, a mid-range storyline. You know, the High Flyers, the Benoits. I mean, I got to say his God name. Rest his soul. I mean, I, God rest his soul. I mean, at least we know his finishing move worked. Uh, you know, and, and then you need a, a really future storyline. Like, you need to, like, cover your bases so yes. when people get sick of the NWO, you go to the Benoit and uh, Malenko and, and that group. Dean the Shooter. Okay, now let me ask you this. Would you, because I, I, you know, I'm, I'm of the belief you just go traditional. Would you have heels and baby faces? Would you do the morality, under underlying morality to it? I mean, I think you all, you need someone to root for and you need someone to root against. So do I. I believe that too. I don't know if it's necessarily a straight heel like uh, in AEW, uh, you know, Luke Harper uh, or Brody Lee. <laughs> I, I want to call him Luke Harper. Yeah. He's a great bad guy. Like, he does this weird, you know, dead look in his eyes. You know, like he just stares off into this psychotic stare and, like, he's a great bad guy. 
but now you need a a great good guy for him to go up against. Yeah. And they're kind of doing it with Moxley, but I don't know if Moxley to me is like that good guy. Like you need a, a cookie, like a, like a golly gee, Matt Edgar type yes. of like, like you, like, you know, I really mean like your personality. But you know what I'd started to think too, which is so cool about wrestling. And it's an element that I haven't seen since I was a child. When you talk about good and bad, the good guys also obeyed the rules. Right. And when when I thought it was a real athletic competition, when a bad guy would cheat to win, it would make me livid. If they would pull the trunks or if there'd be a quick count or they'd put their feet up on the ropes or, God forbid, a foreign object, you're like, all right, now we have to see justice done here. It was all about yeah. the pursuit of justice. I mean, I don't know in, in this day and age, and, and I believe that too, but with kids today, which is, I think, I mean, I guess you'd say you're marketing 13 to maybe 39-year-olds. I mean, that's a big group. Well, I honestly, and I hope this doesn't get me in trouble with wrestling fans, but I really think it is for kids at, at, at its purest form. You know what I mean? The way it is, like, that 19, that first generation wrestlemania wrestling like i remember waiting for the cartoon and it was good guys one locker room bad guys another locker room and if it's done right it's like kids can enjoy it and it's also awesome for grown-ups i mean i think you can market to both uh you know like you've got the bella twins thing on e and yeah I, I t that's pretty unwatchable but i'm not the guy they're marketing that to right uh you know, but I, I just, dude, I just remember the joy. My first awesome memory of pro wrestling, and I turned it into a bit. But the truth was, they used to. I was seven years old. I want to say maybe eight. And on Saturday nights, they would have live wrestling from the Philadelphia Spectrum. Right. But I couldn't. It would go on until about midnight, and I couldn't stay awake that late. And I just remember Andre the Giant was literally and figuratively larger than life. He was not scheduled to be there. And I don't know what happened, but Big John Studd was there, I think, of what it was. And my dad just starts screaming for us to wake up. And I, like, I, I thought the house was on fire. I didn't know what was going on. I was a little kid. I was asleep. And I just hear, you're missing it. You're missing it. The eighth wonder of the world. Andre the Giant. He ran upstairs and pulled us out of our beds. And I was a little kid wiping sleep from my eyes. And there was Andre the Giant who was not. He wasn't even supposed to be on the card. He was there. You heard him run in his mouth. And Andre, it was. There's no. There's not a movie. There's not a play. There's nothing that can create that level of excitement. Like to me, that was the greatest thing ever and it was that moment that made me a fan it was awesome i mean i yeah i, I just i don't know uh with all the technology out now that they could protect the business I yeah think. i mean it, it's just almost impossible to protect the business and you know with the tmz type gossip reporters that you know which are basically the wrestling like pro wrestling observer and yeah and, they have people backstage now that, you know, one, they see someone who shouldn't be there. You know, like if Jericho ever were to go back to WWE, you know, all it would take is for one guy from 
you know, some reporter, hey, Jericho's backstage, and then it's on the internet in, you know, two minutes. So, yeah. uh, which to me goes back to the emphasis really needs to be on just better writing. Like, yeah, you just, there's got to be a way to make guys like you and me, kids, and everyone in between, love it, care about it again. Yeah. And I don't know what that way is. Like, even in AEW, and I'm so rooting for them, but like you can tell their their NWO basically is called the Inner Circle. Yeah, and it's Jericho, uh, Jack Swagger, and uh, a couple other guys, and it's like eh, it's just this not ain't enough. The NWO. Yeah, this is not DX. This yeah. is just. Uh, I mean, I know you guys are bad guys. But I don't really hate you, you know. Not really pulling for Moxley either. He's like the good guy right now. Him and Kenny Omega. Uh, I just, just, I don't not, know. Just not the same. It's not. And I, you know, I think I feel old saying that because I think every generation sure. says, "Well, my generation was the best." You know, I grew yeah. up with Hulk Hogan. You know, and then kids in the nineties. Well, I grew up with Stone Cold, and then you know, early two thousands. No, but you know what? I get that, and there's a truth to that. One hundred percent, there's a truth to that. The, I have this theory that every song has already been written, but every generation needs to think they wrote it. Right, right. But like, uh, let's talk comedy real fast in a parallel. David Spade is in a movie called The Wrong Missy. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Right, oh, he's great. He's yeah. great. Um, I'm a huge Saturday Night Live fan in theory, the same way I'm a huge pro wrestling fan. Right. I don't watch SNL now. I don't. I even it's unwatchable, and I I hate to say that because I have friends and whatever. But when Eddie Murphy came back this year, he showed you that he was a better talent, just a greater God given gift of comedy than the current people populating the show chris farley breathed laughter the last episode of that show that i watched from beginning to end when god rest his soul was when chris farley came back to guest host and it was there were certain things that are just better like yeah like i listened to frank sinatra or billy holiday or chet baker or or Jimi hendrix or eddie van halen and i go there were just levels of talent and I'm not saying like, and then like I got into country music. I never thought I'd be in the country music, but I, I listened to uh, Sturgill Simpson or Chris Stapleton and that's brand new music, but the level of talent that those guys bring to the table is incredible. So I don't think I'm being a cranky old man. I'm willing to adapt to new stuff, but just make it good, man. Just I, have it be good. I mean, SNL is, is like a great, it, it to me it's the exact conversation of wrestling correct you know it, it's like I, the last time i watched snl norm mcdonald was weekend update and, and then, norm mcdonald is a juggernaut of comedy he is hilarious yeah and i i don't even know who the current people are but i've tried to give him a shot it's not norm mcdonald man i mean i think it's michael che and i don't know uh the the, the white dude I don't know. Uh, it's just not. I, well, I've given it. It's like watching Monday Night Raw. It's okay. Let me watch it. I mean, it. it I, maybe I'm wrong. And, and, Correct. Uh, maybe, I, okay. Here's something else. I I need to verbalize. I want everybody to win. 
I want to be entertained. I want everybody on the current roster of the WWE or SNL. I go to open mic stand-up comedy. I get to the comedy store early on Mondays, and I root for everybody. And that is the truth. That's not me. This is not my gimmick. I'm not trying to play. I want every, I want to laugh. I want everybody to do great. I want everybody's dreams to come tr- come true. But it's like don't don't water down the talent. Don't tell me this guy's great when they're not great. I mean, I think now, uh, you know, especially with SNL type shows, it, it's not necessarily the funniest people get the gig. It's a casting. Okay, we need a fat dude. Uh, well, this guy who's not fat's funnier than this person. Well, we need a fat dude or a girl. Yeah, Just whatever. Uh, yeah, and I understand. Look, man, I understand everybody's decision making process, and I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying, don't tell me something's great when it's not. But to me, I am critiquing the the, the decision making process because it's funny that you should get the the funniest people should get the gig. Yeah, and I know the business doesn't work like that. Uh, but you know, in terms of like SNL or even uh, comedy, late night comedy, stand up on. Yeah. on uh, a lot of shows I watch now, it's not the funniest people who are on a late night set. It's, well, this person meets this check mark. Uh, and it's like, well, why can't the funniest people just get the gig? Yeah. You know, and, and I saw it with, to a much, 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 much smaller level. I saw it with Roast Battle. Yeah. Where, uh, you know, the best Roast Battlers weren't getting the gigs. Is well, we need a celebrity. So let's get Blake Griffin. It's like, well, he's not good at Roast Battle. Like, yeah. Doug Fager, who's an unknown comic, and I love Doug. He's he's an awesome comic, but like Doug should have gotten that spot, and it yeah. would have been a better show. Yeah, because Doug's an he's an assassin with roast battle. He's very quick, and yeah, uh, and so like I just don't get, you know, the current, you know, wrestling and casting for TV shows. I just don't. Yeah, I don't understand what goes into the decision making process and. I just maybe I'm naive and think that you know it's not based around just being funny. It's who your manager is. Yeah, everything's a relationship uh, business. Everything, but I, I'm a firm believer that cream always rises to the top. I, I Ooh, mean, yeah, yeah, brother. <laughs> that was uh, such a good promo. I mean, I believe. Dude, look that. at those old promos. They're 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 still they're even more entertaining now, thirty years later than they were in the moment. Yeah, like the promos today, I, I just, you know, I watch the AEW promos and they're like a public access show. It's like, this is not making me care about the match. Uh-uh. I don't want to buy the pay-per-view. They had a pay-per-view last night. Uh, I didn't see one hmm. promo uh, outside of maybe Jericho, but I don't really count him because he's so good. Mm-hmm. But like the non-Jericho Jericho promos, is awesome. it's like, ah, this is not making me... Dude, about two years ago, I found a YouTube video, and it was just every Ric Flair promo from 1985 strung together. That's next level. And I'm like, this is one of the greatest things in the history of entertainment, let alone professional wrestling. But that, like, when he pulls out the training bra and gives it to Ricky Morton, says, I date women, you got your underage girls. Like, I want to see this match. It's a great... When he took his shoe off and he said, yeah. this shoe probably costs more than your homes. It's alligator shoes. Dude, and you can hear, he's saying that to me, like, it sounds like 15 people. It sounds like the in-studio audience was, I mean, it just adds another level of, not, I don't even want to say, it's 
awe inspiring the level of commitment that yeah. guy had. It's awe inspiring. And even like the Warriors and ramblings, like he didn't know what the hell he was talking about. But he's like, I want to see this match. Yes. Like I don't get that today. That's uh, the best. You know, and, and even going back to SNL, like the commercials for SNL back in the day, you see Chevy Chase, you know, do something or Norm Macdonald, they tease an episode coming up with an OJ joke he did. It's like, I want to watch this this week. I have not seen an episode. And it's like you said, for once I'll be nice. I want SNL to be a hit. Yeah, me too. Like I want Melissa. Les oh, yeah. And like uh, Shane Gillis. I don't know if he's still on it. Uh, I guess he was never on it. No, but I mean, like I wanted him to get that. Yes. Because uh, he's funny. Yeah, and you uh, want young creative minds to rebrand it and introduce it hey man look i saw it with the comedy store i saw i i mean i've been a fan of sebastian's since i was doing open mics yeah and i knew for 20 years that guy was great and it took america a little a little, there was a catch-up time but now he's the biggest comedian in the world i remember seeing bill burr come back to the comedy store like in like 2008 and just going, this is the funny, like this dude should be ruling the comedy. And now all the guys that I was a fan, Joey Diaz, Bill Burr, Sebastian, all these guys, Chris D'Elia, all these guys that brought the comedy store back. Ari Shafir would cripple me uh -oh, with laughter hanging out. He's my friend. Oh, and I, I love Ari. Funny. Oh, he's, no, I mean, I, uh, Ari's awesome. Like, I just think. Uh, but my, my point is, there was a point where everybody said stand up was dead. There was a point where everybody said the comedy store was dead. And it was all these unknowns that brought it back. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Ari, Renazizi. Uh, Dude, Renazizi's one of the funniest dudes uh, ever. But, but I, it goes also to Adam. Like, I'll, I'll equate him to almost being a writer. Yeah. Like, he had this vision of, okay, we need to get names. We need to bring back a Schneider, a Spade, because yep. then Sandler will come. And that's exactly what happened. We need Rogan back because then Joey will come back. Yep. And and, and that whole Segura, yeah. not that Segura left, but like he'll yeah. come because Joey and Joey. Yeah. Uh, and then he had a long range, you know, uh, plan of using guys like you and me and, and then bringing in a Laura Bai. It's, uh, yeah. Oh, she's uh, so funny. Um, I hope she becomes the next big movie star. I think she's legit. Yeah. She's like hilarious. So unique and like. Uh, her style is like, I don't know too many other females. Uh, she's hilarious. Yeah, and she's nice. Yeah, she is. She's a sweetheart. And there's others, you, you know, uh, that younger comics that are carrying the torch. And Dude, whenever people tell me, like, who's a young comic or who's somebody that I should know exists, I always say Brian Simpson. That yeah, kid, oh, he great. kills it. Uh, there's so many, like, and even older ones who, like, you know, that's one of the things i love about comedies you can make it when you're a little older oh yeah like a brian holtzman yeah legendary How is that guy not famous legendary but now with the store pumping he's been exposed to thousands of new people who yeah you know he could be the wacky neighbor that's it on a sitcom yeah uh, or the you know i don't know the crazy homeless guy who's like lives outside the complex or like you know anything I mean, is possible and I, there's more joy i think the world's going to need more joy I want to just close on this. No, I, and I hope talking, comedy and it. pro wrestling and Earl Skake will bring more of that joy into the world because it needs it. I love you, buddy. What, uh, what's the name of your podcast? 
Inappropriate Earl Podcast, and uh, just on all social media, it's at Earl Skakel, E-A-R-L-S-K-A-K-E-L. And let me just say this before we wrap up. Steve Simone is like next-level niceness in this business. Believe me, there's not a lot of people I can say are funny and are nice. He's both in great quantity. Oh, thanks, buddy. We should do a wrestling podcast. I just want to throw I'm that out. I'm telling you, like you, but that even podcasting, I know we got to wrap up, but like po- podcasting is like another, it's getting like oversaturated. Oh, yeah. And like the brilliant thing about podcasting is right now we're just hooked up to a Zoom recorder. Yep. Two mics. Any moron could have this setup. Yes. And that's the problem. Well, I think that's also the benefit. It, it's good and bad because now yeah. any open micer can just go and uh, Amazon and get yeah. used for a hundred bucks. Yep. Two mics. Yep. Under You're in business for two. Yes. You can be on iTunes tomorrow. Yeah, and I th- but I think that's awesome. But it's, so I think like if we did a wrestling podcast of some sort, uh, you know, the, the market is there because you're like the good guy. I'm almost like the heel. And it's genuine. Yeah. Like, you're a genuinely nice guy. So are you, too. That's why I would never say you were a heel. I mean... All right. I'm going to just throw this out of here. Because I, I remember one time our buddy Luis telling me that you guys watch wrestling oh together. Oh, God. I wanted to kill him that day. But that inspired me to go, oh, I need to do more for people like Luis. Well, no, Luis, uh, for those of you... Uh, I don't know who he is. He's, his comedy name is the Puerto Rican pimp. He was hit by a bus. I mean, and, I'm not kidding. Like this is not a, a bit. And he's uh, not paralyzed, but uh, uh, disabled severely. Yeah, I uh, can't walk. Uh, he's in a wheelchair for life. And uh, you talk about it, just a sweetheart. Like I would have committed suicide, and I'm not even kidding. If I was in his position, like yeah. I would have killed myself strongest dude ever and a smile always uh the only negative is when he came over one night to watch ufc i had to feed him and uh i'm like you need me to cut the food He's like no no and then i realized after the first bite i needed to cut the food and that son of a bitch was here for like seven hours uh yeah but and I i'm just him. saying a heel doesn't do that i love but a you, heel buddy. talks like i just talked yeah that's like true making fun of a kid in a wheelchair <laughs> oh, uh, but i, I love, legit love you dude i love you seriously dude we will talk about it off air like we're yeah, on to something it. yeah we are So that's my buddy Earl, and you can follow him on Twitter and Instagram simply at, at Earl Skakel, S-K-A-K-E-L. Um, you recognize him from the Adult Swim show, The Jellies, from Comedy Central's Roast Battle. But I also want to let you know he's got an amazing podcast called Inappropriate Earl, and please check that out across all platforms. He's a cool voice. He's got a great voice. And he's just funny and cool really blessed to hang out with so many cool people was it the first time you've seen him in a few months no because we we were i i ran into him at tom and christina's studio oh okay interesting. But we were talking I, I was watching like a youtube shoot they call them shoot interviews on pro wrestlers where they just tell the truth mm-hmm. and i i don't know it made me think of earl and then we started to text back and forth and then oh, i great. ran to him at tom and christina's and i was like dude you want a podcast and it was like yeah so it's like I don't know. There's something about seeing your buddies during the lockdown that makes it even more special. 
Yeah, it's like summer vacation, but like even like more. It's like, what's going on? Yeah, it's very much like summer vacation where you're like, I'm, I don't see all my friends from school. I won't see them until school opens up, but I'm so happy these guys live in my neighborhood. Right. It's been pretty crazy. It's been a long year. It's been a long year, even though we haven't really done much. Because like, in March, we, we, we pretty much got turned off. It seems like we've been locked down for an hour and a thousand years. I can't explain it. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Like, every time I go into a store, I'm like, oh, crap, I left my mask in the car. Like, I forget that we're in a lockdown. Oh, yeah. But then I'm always reminded of it. I don't know. I uh, It doesn't make sense. I just want it to be over. Yeah. But I am enjoying the walks with you. It's and I'm great. so yeah. proud of you, Lee. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, uh, I mean... I should be able to do much more, but it's you're the only one who got me who's been able to get me to do it. So I pray you and Jimmy have uh, saved my my quarantine. Me too. I yeah, you and it. Jimmy, I'm so grateful for you guys. I owe him a phone call. Guys, Jimmy Schubert, our guest last week, has the number one comedy album on iTunes. Please check it out. He's so funny. So funny and awesome and just a good dude. I'm gr- I'm grateful. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, I, that's the whole point of the podcast is something that, that we thought was going to be negative, to hopefully turned into a positive for a lot of people. Yeah, I know, I know, a lot of people are, are going through a tough time right now, but hopefully, the majority of this has been positive. I hope so too. Yeah, and I hope, I hope we come out of this ready to help. You know, like ready. I think we're, I. I hope I'm not I'm I really do believe this. I think we're going to come back better than ever because we're going to have to be better versions of, of ourselves just to do it. Like I don't think we can be stinky and survive this. I think if we all work really hard for each other with each other, the economy will come back awesome, great. And I hope that's what happens. Well, I nominate you to be in charge of that. Could you imagine? Did you being in charge of? Hey, be nice. <laughs> Ice cream for everybody. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Yeah, it would be great. How great was it? Did you have ho- hoodsy cups in school? Were they, they the like- little plastic cups that had a piece of paper on the top and it was almost like a little nub, yeah. like a little tab, a tiny little tab, and you pulled it off and it was like swirled ice cream, chocolate and vanilla or and- strawberry. And-, and I don't know if you remember, but they came with their own special like wooden spoon. Wooden spoon. Okay, Lee. You're psychic. Because when I said ice cream, I was thinking of those cups. I was just thinking of how great it was during school when oh. they pulled them out. And as a kid, you're like, this is... You know, I'm stopping off and I'm getting more ice cream on the way <laughs> oh, home. Me too. There's no way. There's not enough room in my freezer. <laughs> it, like, like, just surprise ice cream made every made school worth it, made everything worth it. Worth like, it. Oh, you know what I brought today? I got to do a podcast this week with Ryan Sickler. Yeah. And it was so fun. Guys, oh. it comes out this week. I'm doing the honeydew again with Sickler, but I brought surprise donuts, and there's nothing better than when people were like, what? Can anybody have one of those? <laughs> That's awesome. Surprise treats. Ice cream's one of them. God, we have to walk, Lee. Let's wrap up this gratitude right. list, and let's just go for a walk, because I'm going to be 9,000 pounds. Let's do it. All right. I love you guys. Um, it is Memorial Day weekend, and that's a a very serious thing. Um. It's a day to remember the people that aren't with us that did that 
that gave up their life. There are people that gave up their life so you could wake up today and enjoy yours. Never forget that. Pray for them. Pray for the family they left behind. And be grateful that there's real heroes still left in the world. God bless you. God bless America. And just be cooler to each other. I love you guys. Always be on the lookout for the good times. God bless.